Church, amen. Well, good morning again. If you have your Bibles, if you would go with me, please, to Second Chronicles chapter 15. Second Chronicles chapter 15, and we want to continue our thought for this month on the theme of revival and a few different texts on revival. So we will look at King Asa in his revival this morning. Second Chronicles 15, and let's start with verse number one. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, son of Oded, and he went out to meet King Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he'll be found by you. But if you forsake him, he'll forsake you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without priests to teach and without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. In those days, it wasn't safe to travel about, for all the inhabitants of the land were in turmoil, one nation being crushed by another, one city by another, because God was troubling them in every kind of distress. But as for you, be strong. Do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. Now, when Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Azariah, he took courage and he removed the idols. He repaired the altars. And, verse 12, he entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their heart and soul. He took an oath to the Lord with joy and shouting and trumpets. And all Judah rejoiced about the oath because they had sworn it wholeheartedly. They sought God eagerly. He was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. We're going to talk this morning. A title, A Reminder for Revival. A Reminder for Revival. Now, this month we have been touching on revival. We started out in 1 Samuel, and we called it the meeting at Mizpah. The meeting at Mizpah. And it was very simply, after 20 years of frustration and discouragement, the people of God finally had a realization that if things were going to get better, they wouldn't get better until they got things right with God. And that's how it always is. The only way anything's going to truly get better is when we make things right with God. And they called on God and the prophet Samuel came in to lead them and show them the conditions that God had them to meet. And they met the conditions. And God brought a great recovery, a great restoration, a rebuilding, and a revival. And then we looked the next time at young King Hezekiah. And this time, as opposed to the whole nation being stirred, it was one young king that God used to initiate and inspire a great revival. We said how God is still looking for men and women that will stand up in their families and in their relationships and in their churches and say, we will be the one that will inspire righteousness. We will be the ones that will step out for God and begin to take the initiative to see people seek God again and be firm in the Lord. And Now this month, this morning, King Asa, he's our focus. And it's interesting about Asa, he's a good and godly king. When the Bible talks about Asa, they say it clearly. He was a good king. He was a godly king. But there's a warning that goes along with Asa's life. And we're not going to really emphasize it, but we need to touch on it to do justice to Scripture. The problem was with Asa, towards the end of his life, he began to get a little weary in his faith. 
he began, I like to call it the erosion of faith. And for whatever reason, he began to drift away from the walk of faith and began to make some compromises in his life. And he did not finish strong. We call it spiritual erosion. He didn't finish strong. And I think it's important that those of us that have walked with God, and many here today, you've been walking with God, really from mama's womb you've been coming to church, and you've served God many, many years, and and that's to be applauded. But folks, for all of us, let us be determined that we're going to finish strong in this Christian experience. Amen? That that we're going to finish strong, and we're we're not going to just merely wither towards the end of our race, but we're going to stay close to Jesus till He calls us home, till we see Him face to face. We are determined. We will stay faithful to God's house and obedient to God's Word, and we will stay committed and involved in the cause of Jesus Christ until we see Him face to face. Can you say amen? But that's that's just one part of Asa's life. I want to get back to his younger days and really two-thirds of his life, where, again, he inspired and he instructed the people in righteousness. A good and godly king that followed the example of his great-great-great-granddad David. He had a heart after God. He had a heart to see the Lord glorified and His will done in the kingdom. Chapter 14 tells us of his many early accomplishments and the spiritual reforms that he brought to the nation. And the Bible is clear to say it's because he sought the Lord that God blessed him like God blessed him. It's because he sought the Lord that God gave him peace and God gave him rest and there was prosperity and blessing upon the kingdom. And now, we know that just just walking with God does not exempt us from the attacks of hell. We understand that many of the afflictions, not of the backslider, they got their own problems. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but praise God, the Lord delivers us from them all. But, you know, we can live a good life and serve God, but we're still going to have to fight the good fight of faith. Can you say amen? And so we learned that from his life in the midst of, of years of peace and prosperity. An attack comes from an army from Egypt, twice his size, a million man army with some 300 chariots. And, and, and you know, when trouble comes, you can tell a whole lot about a person when trouble comes. Test of faith expose our true condition. And suddenly, from a season of joy and peace and rest and prosperity and blessing, there's an overwhelming attack that in the natural should have just wiped them out and should have just defeated them. But this young king Asa, he responds to such a threat by crying out to the Lord his God. That made all the difference. He responds by turning to God, humbling his heart before God, trusting in the mighty power of God, and then courageously facing the enemies of God. He didn't run from them. He didn't cut a deal with them. But he went forward in the name of the Lord, trusting that his God was able to do all things exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think. Now, in the 14th chapter, verse 11, it records the prayer Asa prayed. And again, our prayers really reveal a lot about our theology. Our prayers really reveal a lot about our faith and our heart. And we see from this prayer, from this wholeheartedly devoted king, four characteristics that we probably want to write down and just keep in our hearts to inspire us to follow after. 
Asa, here's the news. Egypt's coming with about a million men. They've got 300 chariots. You've got no chariots. They've come to take the city. He's kind of caught off guard. But the Bible says, verse 11, Then Asa called to the Lord his God. He said, Lord, there's no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we've come against this vast army. O Lord, you're our God. Do not let man prevail against you. Think about this for a moment. Four things that we glean just from this prayer that just kind of gives us an insight into the heart of this man of God. An insight, four characteristics that we should be trying to pattern in our own lives. Number one, we see here, Asa had an absolute confidence in God. An absolute confidence in God. He says, Lord, there's none like you. The New King James would say, it's nothing for you to help us. I like that. Lord, it's nothing for you. We can be overwhelmed. We can be outgone. But you're the living God. You're the almighty God. You're not a God of the temples. You're not a God of the idols. But you are the one that spoke the worlds into order. You are the God of all flesh. And nothing is too hard for you. And we believe you are able. We believe you're mighty to save and mighty to defend and mighty to heal. Oh God, we put our trust in thee. And Asa had an absolute confidence in God, but secondly, he had an absolute commitment to God. He says, oh Lord, help us. Help us for we rely on You. We rest in You. The object of our confidence is in us. It's in You. The object in where we're putting our burden and casting our care is on You. He had an absolute commitment to God. He knew how to trust in the Lord with all of his heart. Not leaning on his wits, not leaning on his accomplishments, but he knew how to stay committed to the Lord and cast that burden on the Lord. He knew how to take the trials and and the struggles and the challenges of life and not try to grind them out in his own strength, but he knew how to go to the rock of his salvation. He knew what to do when life was throwing a haymaker at him that overwhelmed him and caught him off guard. It wasn't time to give up. It wasn't time to run to the enemy. It was time to look to the living God and cast the burden and entrust that care and believe Him to do what only He could do. We see this great king had a confidence in God. We see he had absolute commitment to God. We see he had a great courage because of God. He says, Lord, in Your name, in Your name we come against the enemy. In Your name we're going against this vast army. He said, Lord... We're going forward in your name. We're believing that you are able to give us the strength to meet this challenge. We believe that it's your will, not that we hide from the enemy, but we address the enemy. That we meet him and we greet him and we defeat him by your power. We believe, oh God, and we have a courage because we know the God we serve cannot fail. Therefore, it affects how we respond to life because we know him who is invisible, because we know personally the one that is mighty to save, we are able to face our adversary 
carry and face the circumstances of life, not like those that don't know God, but we face them trusting the Lord, believing the Lord, recognizing the God we serve is great in faithfulness. He's sovereign in power and nothing is too hard for Him. Therefore, because I know in whom I have believed in, I'll walk forward and I'll address what has to be addressed and I'll stand firm in His name like young David of old. Goliath, you come against us with swords and with spears and bad reports, but we come against you in the name of the Lord our God. It's not time to hide your head in the sand. It's not time to give in to compromise. It's time to stand firm for righteousness and go forward in the name of the Lord, knowing your God is mighty to save and He'll bring you through. Blessed be His name. Looking at this young king's heart, his is his heart. He's a young man that had great courage because of the God he served. But lastly, from this prayer, notice something very important. He had absolute concern for God. Confidence in God. Commitment to God. Courage because of God. Concern for God. The very last line, O Lord, You are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. Friends, may we never stop caring about the glory of our God. May we never stop caring about His reputation and the honor of His name. And how we carry ourselves in private, how we carry ourselves in public. How we carry ourselves individually as a family, as a church body. Let us never forget the glory of our God. That we represent Him properly. And that all that we do can please Him and bring glory to His name. Glory to His reputation. Hallelujah. Now God answers the cry of this young king. I mean, He answers the cry and against overwhelming odds, God gives him a tremendous victory. It's beautiful. It's precious. He soundly defeats the enemy. He reclaims much of what had been stolen prior to this. And there's restoration. And there's rebuilding. It was a time of um, triumph. A time of celebration. A time of rejoicing. It was a real, look what the Lord has done moment here. And it kind of reminds me of a line from Dr. Richard Dobson's. He wrote one time, This story reminds me, if you're on God's side and He's on your side, then it doesn't matter who's on the other side. Amen. Amen. And make sure you're on God's side. Can you say amen? Oh, bless the Lord. I thank the Lord for the prophetic. I thank the Lord for prophetic. We thank God for all other churches that preach the gospel. But we're Pentecostal. And there's a reason that we're Pentecostal because she prophesied half my sermon and she doesn't know what I was preaching. And so now as we get, that was the introduction. Now as we start getting to the, to the points of the sermon, I'm gonna make this, this sermon, you know, the things of God are not complicated. Anyone that makes them complicated don't know God. To the sincere, it's simple. To the, to the compromiser, there's always, because you're looking for a loophole. But when you're sincere in your walk with God, it's simple to live for Jesus. Amen? It's not complicated. It's never been complicated. Hey, His yoke is easy and His burden is All right, let's start. You ready? Amen. Hallelujah. Chapter 14 ends with victory and celebration. Then chapter 15 begins. 
And really, chapter 15 as a divine teaching moment. God sees this great victory. God sees the faith of His young servant. He's pleased. He's blessing. He's honoring. But God, like any good teacher, says, you know what, I don't want this teaching moment to pass me by. There's something more here than just a one-time encounter crying out to me and seeing my mighty arm. There's something more here. There's an eternal principle in this victory that I want my king and I want my people to never forget. But remember, the things that brought you there will keep you there if they're of God. There's a divine teaching moment. There's a heavenly reminder. Here it is. Asa is on his way home from this wonderful victory. And a prophet stops him and his army. Always a prophet trying to rain on someone's parade. But not really. The prophet is there by the word of the Lord to reinforce what had just happened. And again, look at verse 2 if you would. The Spirit comes upon the prophet and he goes out and he meets Asa. He says, King, listen to me, King. Listen to me, people. I know, but you're hallelujah. And I know they're falling out over there, marching, Jericho marches, Pentecostal spasms. Hold it, hold it, hold it. There's something to learn here. This battle doesn't have to be an isolated thing. It can be a continual thing if you learn how to walk in it. Come on, say amen. amen. Listen to me, Asa, old Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with Him. And if you seek Him, if there's an if, if you seek Him, He will be found by you. Isn't that wonderful? God says, if you seek Me, you'll find Me. If you call on Me, I'll answer you. If you trust Me, I'll go out to battle for you. Let there be no doubt about it. If you meet the condition, I will honor My Word and I will go before you. But, 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 if you forsake Him, God says, let's cut it straight. If you forsake Him, He'll forsake you. Isn't that simple? Again, you don't need theology. You don't need Greek, Hebrew, Italian. I mean, that's straight. <laughs> He's saying, Asa, the prophet of the Lord saying, Asa, people of God, if you want to stay strong to the end, if you want victory to be a part of your life, not just a one-time long-ago event, it won't be by accident or chance. It will be by choice. And continual dependence and devotion on me. Don't stray from the spiritual principles that made this great victory possible, young king. Confidence in God. Humility before God. Obedience to the Word of God. Cooperation with the Spirit of God. King Asa, don't take for granted, but recognize you must continue to do your part by seeking the Lord and serving the Lord and trusting the Lord. Now, here's our outline, and we'll just walk it as far as we can this morning. Number one, the reminding of the prophet. The reminding of the prophet. Number two, the responding of the king. The responding of the king. And number three, the reward of the Lord. Number one, there is the reminding of the prophet. The prophet's reminding Asa. Asa, this was no accident. There was some cause and effect here. Because you sought God, God answered you. Because you stayed true and trusted God, He honored and defended you. You see, folks, God wants you and I to finish strong. And He's willing to do His part if we'll do our part. God loves you with an everlasting love. 
It's his will. He that began the good work, he wants to complete that work. Whoever you are, you might have started out strong and flittered along the way, but the Lord says, my will for you is that you finish strong. It doesn't matter if you've drifted. It doesn't matter if you fell. My mercy is great. My my grace is sufficient. I can restore you. I can forgive you. And I'm willing and desiring to help you finish your Christian race powerfully and purely and completely for the glory of God. So he's reminding the prophet. He's saying, prophet, the prophet is reminding the king, king, I want to reinforce and remind you of these unchanging truths. And you see within verses 1 through 7, these three thoughts. Number one, God is with us when we seek Him. Verse 2, God is with us when we seek Him. This victory wasn't by accident. You just didn't get lucky. No, you sought me and I honored you. Number two, God answers prayer, so trust Him. That's verse 4, God answers prayer, so trust Him. It says in verse 4 that in their distress, they turn to the Lord. It's important that you turn to the right place when you're in distress. Amen? It's important when life gives you something you didn't expect, you feel crushed, you feel broken down. In that moment, it is so important who do you call on and where do you turn. Israel turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought Him, and He was found by them. God says, I'm just waiting for you to call. God says, I am so desiring to bless you and to minister in your life. Just keep seeking me. Just keep trusting me. Just keep standing on my word. God is with us when we seek Him. And God answers prayer, so let's trust Him. In verse 7, God rewards faithfulness, so let's continue to obey Him. Let's continue to obey Him. The reminding of the prophet. I'll just break it down. Two little sub-points. Seek Him. And serve Him. If you want to continue in that victory and continue knowing the grace and the blessing of God and the fresh wind of the Spirit upon your life, then never stop seeking and never stop serving. Don't ever forget this daily and diligently with a discipline and a choice. Seek the Lord. Don't ever forget. And remember, we never outgrow this. We never become so accomplished in our lives where we don't need us because without Him, we can do. But a divine reminder of an unchanging principle is declared by the prophet of God. A divine reminder of an unchanging principle for spiritual living and spiritual victory. It cannot be an option. And the prophet couldn't say it clearer. It's a key to the abundant life Jesus spoke about. It's a key to the overcoming life Paul wrote about. Number verse 2 makes clear, number 1, the condition. God's condition for spiritual victory and, and, and blessing. And again, it's because God wants the young king and his people to enjoy that blessing again and again. Not merely a one-time thing. He calls a timeout says, hang on, you can rejoice in a minute, but first, don't miss the principle here. What you're enjoying, it's not just an accident. It's not just because I took pity on you. It's because you sought me and you trusted me and you stood firm in me. And that's why this blessing is here. And if you keep this, 
this up, I'll keep doing my part. Asa, if you keep seeking me, I'll make sure you find me. If you keep trusting me, I'll make sure I'm there for you again and again and again. And that's God's Word for you. And that's God's Word for you. God says, I love you with an everlasting love and I'm willing to do my part. Just make sure you do yours. Can you say amen? So number one, he makes clear that God's condition for spiritual victory. Uh, Pastor Sembolo of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, he wrote in one of his early books concerning King Asa. This is a classical example of a cardinal principle of God's dealing with humanity. Hebrews 11.6 expresses it best. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists. And that He rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek Him. God says, you seek Me, you'll find Me, and I'll bless you. Brother Simbola goes on to say, I cannot say it strongly enough. When we seek God, He will bless us. But when we stop seeking Him, all bets are off. No matter who we are. It doesn't matter how much talent we have, how many diplomas hang on our walls, what word of prophecy was proclaimed over us, or anything else. Now the counterpart of what Asa heard from the prophet, I think of the words of Jesus, Matthew 6 and 33, where it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things will be added. Seek means pursue and put some effort in and reach for. But if you seek Me, and you seek to live righteously before Me, then I will bless you, and I'll honor you, and I'll be with you. Oh, bless His holy name. We see in verse 2, one of the keys to living that consistent victory, seeking God daily, diligently, it is the clear condition that God has for all of us. To live it. But secondly, verse 2 also gives us God's clear promise concerning seeking Him. There's a condition, but there's also a wonderful invitation and a promise where God so wonderfully says that whosoever will, you can find me. Whosoever will, you can draw near to me. Whosoever will, if you're a believer and you know Jesus and you've been washed by that blood, you can sit at my feet. You can enjoy my presence. You can enjoy fresh fillings. I praise the Lord this morning that God will be found by His people. That God yearns and desires to meet with His people. And when we seek Him, He says, I've got good news. If you'll seek Me, I'll let you find Me. It's my promise to you. I won't abandon you. I won't turn a deaf ear to you. If you'll call on me, I'll let you draw near. I'll speak into your heart. I'll give grace for your circumstance. Jeremiah 29, 13, you'll seek me and you'll find me when you search for me. When you search for me, God says, I'll make sure you find me. When you do it with all your heart, God says, and I'll be found by you. And when you find me, hallelujah, God says, I'll meet that need. God says, I will calm that storm. God says, I will strengthen your heart. 
That is the key to success. Forget your success seminars. I'm giving you one here in 30 seconds. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Come boldly before that throne of grace. Sit at the feet of Jesus. And He'll give you grace. And He'll give you help. And He'll give you comfort. He'll heal the wound in your heart. He'll settle the confusion in your mind. And He'll go before you. And He'll give you the victory. Blessed be His name. God calls and invites us. And it's through the Lord Jesus that He made a way for us to come. Come. We sang yesterday at the funeral, Come and dine, the Master calleth. Come and dine. That's the call. This Come on. Come on through the blood. Come on. Come on. Come on. I've got food that the world can't give and the world can't take it away. Come and dine. Here you can feast at Jesus' table all the time. Call the Spirit. Don't ever forget the keys. Don't take, King, faithful saint, you've been walking with God a long time. Word of the Lord to you. Don't take your victory for granted. Don't ever forget the necessity of seeking the Lord. And don't ever forget the great reward that comes to those that seek Him. You see, yea, it is true that God is not a respecter of person. And God, on one hand, doesn't play favorites. But on the other hand, though He's not a respecter of person, He's a respecter of principle. And if you obey the principle, you can walk in the blessing. If you don't obey the principle, well, like He said, if you don't, I won't. If you will, I shall. What? And that make it easy? Come on, is that easy? You didn't even have to know Greek, did you? Didn't have to know any Hebrew, isn't that right? Didn't even know, didn't need any special gift for that one. God, God says, I'm just going to make it clear. If you'll seek me, you'll find me. If you don't seek me, you're on your own. Don't bellyache to me. Don't tell me you went to Bible school. Don't care about that. Because the minute you stop seeking him, you're moving into arrogance and pride. Because you're saying, I don't need you. You're saying, I got it all solved on my own. God says, really? You can't breathe your next breath without me. That heart won't beat tomorrow if you don't li- Oh, no, no, no. Don't get too big now. Don't, don't think because... I, I don't care what you did in 1967. It's if God is impressed. It's God is impressed with our... What do you call those things? Resumes. Really? Come on. Honest? <laughs> I've read resumes. Someone, you know, you wonder if they could walk and chew bubble gum. They sound like the Apostle Paul on the resume. <laughs> I mean, oh, no, no, resumes. My Lord, resumes. Give me a break, resumes. Isn't that right? Now, anyone here ever hire anybody? You look at some resumes, right? You look at me and say, whoo, man, maybe he ought to run the place. Amen. I'll give him my job. All right? He got there. He didn't know one day a screwdriver from the other. You're saying, Lord, whoever wrote that resume, I want their number, man. They got to do mine. Oh, no, no, no. I'm telling you. Oh, no, 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 no. That, I mean, this is the word of the Lord here. Zeno, don't take your victories for granted. Don't take your victories for granted. The God that brought you there is the one that will keep you there. See? Hallelujah. And don't ever forget the great reward of seeking. God says, if you seek me, I'll honor you. He honors those that honor Him. It's a call to action. It's a call not merely to understand the principle but to practice the principle daily and diligently in our lives. It's a call for action. 
It's time to act. Somebody, it's time to act. How many remember old Ross Perot? Anybody remember old Ross? Amen. I'd like to have his tithe. Amen. Hallelujah. But anyway, he, 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 made, he made his first fortune. That's something he made more than one fortune. I'd be happy with one fortune. He made his first fortune with a company called Electronic Data Systems, EDS. And he you know, made his first fortune. Then it was bought out by, by GM, by General Motors. And he said, now I discovered something about um, differences in managing styles once the company got bought. He says, you know, at EDS, when we saw a snake, we'd kill it. At GM, when they saw a snake, they'd form a committee. You know, sometimes it has to be more than contemplation, meditation, debate, discussion, research, and development. There has to be action. And in our spiritual lives, it is time to act. It is time to seek the Lord. It is time to put our houses in order. It's time to walk with God each and every day. Somebody say amen. Now, as I seek Him, what should I be seeking Him for? This is kind of a sideline to this message, but we're going to go here. As I seek God, as I seek God. What should I seek God for? It's not just for an experience, like a drug. Oh, I know it's nice, it's fun at times when God moves and, you know. That's, that's, that's all right, you know, from time to time. But, but let, let's get things in order here, okay? As a Christian who wants to seek the Lord, what should I seek God about? Let me suggest three things. Number one, personal growth. Number two, practical achievement. Number three, precious promises. Let me expand just a little bit and we'll move right on. If I'm going to seek God, and we're going to meet with God. What am I going to? I'm going to pray for personal growth that I might know Him, the power of His resurrection, fellowship of His sufferings, that I might grow in the grace and knowledge of my King, that I might mature in my walk with God, in my conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. So the first thing really is, Lord, help me to grow in my Christian experience, help me to mature, and help me to become more. And more like Jesus. But secondly, on um, practical advancement in the sense, Lord, help me to be fruitful as I endeavor to serve you. Help me, Lord, to be more effective and more productive in my ministry. My ministry as a husband. My ministry as a father. As a Sunday school teacher. As a witness on the job. Lord, please. As an ambassador of Jesus Christ. I'm not just seeking you. So Wow, this is cool. No, I'm not just seeking you so I can fall down. Then again, hey, from time to time, that's all right. Fall and enjoy the presence of God. But, but, there, but there's more. There's more. It's, Lord, I'm seeking you. You'll give me a fresh grace so I can really be a better ambassador on the job. So I can just walk in greater wisdom and witness to others that you bring across my path. And I want to be a better parent. I want to be a better husband, Lord. Help me, Lord, to be a better deacon or whatever. And then there the precious promises. Folks, if you're going to spend time seeking God and you're going to discipline yourself to seek the Lord, uh, why don't you claim some precious promises? I mean, how about souls that need to be saved? I don't just mean any souls. Souls that you know. Souls that touch your heart. Children that aren't where they need to be. Parents that might not be where they need to be. Grandchildren. Precious promises. How about areas in our life that need to experience victory? 
None of us has arrived yet. Amen? And maybe there's an error. Lord, Lord, I, this, I'm going to seek you to grow in this area. I'm going to seek you to overcome this, this, this area that maybe I'm not where I need to be. Or how about rewards that need to be possessed? Because I want you to know this morning that God wants to answer you. God wants to bless you. God wants you to enjoy, to enjoy the blessings of Calvary. He wants you to enjoy them. And so as you begin to see in the Word of God the blessings that Jesus' blood has brought to us, and if you're not embracing them, if you haven't said, Lord, as I seek You, Lord, I want to enter into this. Lord, I want to enjoy this peace that passes understanding. I want to overcome this anxiety. Lord, I want to walk in a greater measure of gentleness and self-control of peace. And So again, as I seek the Lord, personal growth, practical achievement, precious promises, I'm going to seek Him and I'm going to serve Him. And that's verse 7. But as for you, I love that verse 7. He says, but King, but as for you, but as for you. Now, others might wear out. Others might get frustrated. Others might get offended and, you know, drift somewhere else. But no, no, but, but as for you. Others make it, no, as for you. You be strong. And you don't give up. For your work will be rewarded. And there's something interesting that God says. As he said, the prophets reminded the king, now listen, king, your faith will be challenged. This is a great victory. But that old devil, he'll show up again. You know, you get victory for a while, enjoy it. Shout up and down, do a Jericho march, whatever you want to do. But then realize, guess what? He's coming again. And you're going to run him off. It's going to be the same way. You have to choose to remain faithful and loyal and dependable. There will be times of weariness. There will be times of discouragement. There will be times of temptation in this walk. Along the way, but don't give up. Don't stray. The prophet's saying, King, you just keep giving God your best and your work will be rewarded. For God sees your efforts and God sees your sincerity. You see, God is, um, God recognizes reality. How else can we put it? He's not in denial about the fact that life isn't always easy and life doesn't always, um, is not always a Sunday school picnic. But He calls each one of us to live this life with an eternal perspective and with an enduring strength. He reminds us again and again of His own Son where the Bible says, for the joy set before Him, endured, endured, endured the cross. But some things we just have to endure, despising the shame and the frustration and the pain that comes with them. But as Jesus did, and He kept enduring, and ultimately He succeeded, and ultimately He tried, and ultimately so will you. If you keep looking to Him, you think about the verses from Galatians 6 and 9. Don't grow weary in doing good, for you shall reap a harvest if you don't give up. Child of God, some things will weary you. Praying for that stray will weary you. Going through that situation, that will weary you. But don't you dare give up. Because God says the time is coming. You're going to reap the blessing. You're going to reap the breakthrough. I'm going to answer your cry. Just don't give up. Don't grow faint. Just keep plugging along. Your work will be rewarded. It's like he wrote 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. He speaks about whatever comes against you. 15 and 58. Therefore, brothers, stand firm and let nothing move you. 
Folks, there are going to come things in your life and in my life. It doesn't matter how good or holy we are. Things are going to try to move us from the victory, move us from the joy, move us from our holiness. But the Bible is clear. Don't let those things move you. Instead, give yourself fully to the work to the walk, to the service of the Lord your God. And know this and never forget it. Your labor in the Lord is never in vain. So you just keep serving Him. You just keep seeking Him. Get knocked down. Get back up. If you stray for a while, wake up. Get back on the right path and let Jesus bring you forward. But whatever you do, refuse to quit. For God says, your work will be rewarded, saith the Lord. The reminding of the prophet, the response of the king. Going quickly here. The response of the king is wonderful. The king in verse 8, he he receives courage. He removes idols. He rebuilds the altar. And he rededicates the people. The king responds to the word of the Lord. God took the initiative. But man had to respond and cooperate and work with God. God takes the initiative by calling us, by speaking to us, but we have to respond with a life of obedience and a life of trust. God does His best to try to lead us from faith to faith and glory to glory. And He's looking for a people that will respond to His Word and cooperate with His will. And the king, the Bible says, he hears the word. I like that verse 8. And, and the king hears the words of the prophecy. And he takes courage. And then he begins to remove things and rebuild things and rededicate things. I like that. It's important that we cooperate with God. I remember the story. We've said it before, but it bears repeating. Um, back in those days, remember when people used to ride those bicycles with two people on them, one in the front, one in the back? Two guys are riding up a steep hill and they're huffing and puffing. The hill is a little more steep than they thought. But they finally got to the top. They're exhausted. And one guy says, man, that was a hard climb. And the guy in the back said, yeah, man, it sure was. And if I didn't keep the brakes on the whole way, I'm sure we would have rolled backwards. I was thinking about that the other day, you know. You know, I see some folks, bless your hearts, I see some folks... And God's doing His best to move you forward. you got to take out your foot off the brakes. you got to stay committed. you got to stay faithful. you got to stay consistent. And work with God. Amen? God speaks to us. Do we keep the brakes on? God urges us on. He gives us mercies we don't deserve. He gives compassion that we've rejected. And we still get the brakes on. Take your foot off the brake of inconsistency and disobedience and work with God. And you'll be amazed at how fast God can restore and revive and rebuild. One thing I can say through many years of pastoring, I've seen those that were sincere in repentance, how God's God's mercy is awesome. How God's mercy could take that life. And I mean, within it seemed like a matter of months. Lives that were so messed up, and they, they brought it on themselves, they'd admit it, but they just confessed it, got right, and it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, you know, the legalists didn't like it because they think you've got to earn everything a hundred times, but Jesus earned it on the cross, amen? God's just looking for us to get with them, amen? If we just get with God, God says, hey, I'm full of mercy. What do we sing all the time? Mercy there was great and grace was free. 
Hard and there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty, not bondage, at Calvary. And when we get right with God and we get serious about working with God, not against God, it's amazing how all blessed be His name. Asa heard the words of the prophet. The Bible says he took courage. And I pray that someone would hear the word of the Lord and take courage this morning. Hear you the word of the Lord. He that began a good work, he's going to complete it. Keep looking to Jesus. The Lord your God holds you in the hollow of his hand. And that situation will not disrupt his work in your life. That attack will not have the last say over your life. Hear the word of the Lord. You look to the scripture and there's so many precious promises of power, protection, provision, of forgiveness, of compassion in our text, in our text. It's a prophetic word having to deal with the willingness of God's people to seek Him and to put Him first. And if they would do that, God would always bless them and God would always be there for them. It's a word that says, Oh, church, those that seek Me and those that build a a devotion and an altar of devotion to Me, I will watch over your life in a special way. And I will grant to your life a special grace. And I will impart to your faith an enduring strength. Because they that wait upon me get renewed strength and get an exchange strength. And they that seek me, I'll make sure you find me. The prophet hears the word of the Lord and he receives courage. It's important to receive courage from God. It's important, you know, he goes from receiving courage to getting busy with his house cleaning. I'm going to wind this up right here. House cleaning is not an option if we're going to walk in revival. House cleaning and keeping that thing clean is not an option if we want to remain and to enjoy the blessing of God's walk. There's a need for courage that comes from the Word To face things and to leave things. To step apart from things. To step out of things. Even into the family. We're not hitting out of a verse 16. This king got so radical, he even had to deal with grandma. Grandma was the queen mother who kicked her out of her job. Because she had idols. She had idols. And you know, and I'm not here to give you a royal rumble over lunch. Amen. I'm not trying to do that. But, but you know the fact is, you're going to get serious with God. You might even have to deal with some things at home and another sermon for another day. We'll wait on it. We're having too much fun this morning. But anyhow, he, he took courage from the Word of the Lord. And from the courage, he moved to action of removing what needed to be removed. Rebuilding what needed to be rebuilt and rededicated. There was a sincere repentance. More than just saying, I'm sorry. Because just saying I'm sorry without any real change is not genuine in the eye of God. But he addressed what needed to be addressed. And this is important. He addressed what needed to be addressed according to the Word of the Lord. You see, right and wrong in what I need to address and what I need to honor and what I need to despise doesn't come from the culture. The culture cannot define it. The culture is confused. And the culture is fallen. Emotion can't control it. Because I can't trust my emotion all the time. The Scripture must direct 
my efforts to live the way God's called me to live. God knows what to address. God knows what to put his finger on in my heart and in my home and in my life. Can I give you one more story before I close? Thank you, Keith. I knew you'd come through for me, buddy. (laughs) Just one more. Just one more. But this is important because what happens, we can get stirred up with God and go about, I'm going to get revived. But then we conveniently ignore some things that need to be addressed. I can't trust the culture to tell me right from wrong. I can't even trust my emotion. I've got to go to the book. This the book will be giving the clear, this is pleasing to the Lord, this is not pleasing to the Lord. This needs to be banished. This needs to be rebuilt and restored. Hallelujah. There's a story about a plumber. He was a plumber, a good plumber, very good plumber. And um, he was called to fix a leak. And he looked at the pipe. He gripped his hammer with both hands. And he struck the pipe as hard as he could. Bam, the leak stopped. Now, he gave the customer a bill, $250.35. The owner was furious. The customer was furious. He goes, you've got to be crazy. This is outrageous. You're only here for two minutes and all you did is hit a pipe. Now, the plumber wanted to have a fully satisfied customer. You know, he wanted to return work. And so he took back the bill and he itemized it for the guy. Come on, smooth things over. He itemized the bill, gave it back to him. Wear and tear on the hammer, 35 cents. Knowing where to hit the pipe, $250. (laughs) I say that to say this, God knows where to hit the pipe. God knows where to hit the pipe. God knows where to hit the pipe. This is why he gave us a book. And he says, as you seek me, and you really want to find me, here's your direction map to me. So as you seek me, get away from just merely an emotional thing. I thank God for the emotion. But begin to get your life in line with this Word. And in that place, God says, you'll find me and I'll bless you again and again and again. And then lastly, lastly, lastly. Anybody can use a fresh blessing from God? Anybody? Because the last point is this. Um, don't ever forget. Oh, that's my last point. That's all. I'll stay down here because I go up there. We'll go for another half hour. God says, I'm not through blessing you. Amen. Would you tell your neighbor that? I'm not through. I'm not through. Tell him. God's not through blessing you, man. God's not through blessing you. And this is what happened in verse 15. They, they sought God and they sought God. And these three wonderful things happened all in verse 15. Oh, yeah, that's cool. And, and all Judah rejoiced because they took an oath and they swore wholeheartedly and they sought God eagerly. And God, God was found. See how beautiful that is? God says, you find me. They were found by God and God gave them rest. Rest. And nobody can give you rest like Jesus. You can be in the midst of World War III and Jesus can give you rest. Amen. I mean, you can get a bad report and, and uh, uh, people next to you are giving up and they're going deep and you can have peace. Let me see my PowerPoint, but if not, I've got to walk up there and it's too tired now to walk up there. Anyway. <laughs> the reward of the Lord. God's not through blessing you. And because they responded,
to the word of the prophet. And they understood that was not just a one-time deal, but those were lifelong spiritual principles about a walk in the blessing and the victory of God. Not exempting us from trial, not exempting us from battle, but giving us spiritual, eternal, unchanging key where we can have confidence He'll be with us, His grace will be sufficient for us. God's real, God, I don't, I don't care who your daddy was and how many people died at Pleasant Grove. If you're not seeking God, you're going to be hurting. God don't care. that. I'm just telling you, that offends someone. You're lost. You don't know God. I'm going to tell you about God. You've got to walk with Him personally. Come on, say amen. amen. Yes. Say amen, say ouch. Let's get down. Now, I've seen that before. Oh, my father. Oh, God, you don't need you got to walk with God. And if you walk with God, you'll find God. But if you forsake God, He'll forsake you. That last breath is over. But for those that will walk with God, God says, I'm not through blessing you. And Asaph, you'll remember these thoughts. You'll enjoy rejoicing in your life. There's something wonderful about having a clean conscience. Something wonderful about knowing the sins are forgiven and the burden is lifted and God's presence and nearness is around. There was rejoicing and there was revelation. This says, and, and God was found by them. And God says, I'll let you find me and I'll speak to you through my word and I'll give you an understanding. And there was rest on every side. Amen. And God knows how to give you rest in the heart and rest in the home and rest on the job. Though we live in a fallen world and all the battles are not over, God says, my rest, let not your hearts be troubled. Jesus said, trust. I'll give you peace and I'll give you rest. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to close with a word of prayer. And as we pray, and as we open the altars, after we get done with our final prayer and our final song, if you need prayer, come on down. We want to lay hands and believe God or touch your life. If you haven't been seeking God, or maybe you are seeking God, you just want to seek Him some more. As we open the altar, come down and seek the Lord. Call on the Lord. Don't take your victory for granted, but recognize the eternal principles of God's Word and God's Kingdom. And make up your mind, be determined. I will obey and I will follow the principles of the living God. And if you do your part, don't you worry about it. God is more than faithful to do His part. You don't got to worry about a thing. You just do your part. God says, don't worry about me. I never failed and I've never faltered. So stand with me, please. And then we'll pray. Father, we want to thank You so much for Your Word. Lord, we thank You that You have given us in Your Word principles, instructions, directives. Because, Father, You want us to walk in the victory. Jesus, You spoke to us about abundant life. You want us to enjoy Your presence. You want us to enjoy that relationship where Your smile is upon us. And even though we'll have battles to fight and trials to go through, we'll know the sufficient grace of the Lord. We'll have that present promise for that present battle. So, Father, we want to thank You this morning for Your Word that shows us how to walk in the victory. And, Lord, we ask that You would give each one of us grace never to take the victories of life for granted. Not to think that somehow we have grown to the place where we don't need 
to keep seeking You and standing on Your Word and staying faithful to Your house. But Lord, I ask You that You would help each one of us. Maybe someone's been saved a short time. Maybe someone's been saved many, many years. But Lord, for each one of us, help us to continue to practice our spiritual devotions, our spiritual disciplines of seeking You, of feeding on Your Word, of honoring Your house, and of doing our part in Your kingdom. And Lord, we thank You that You have clearly said if we do those things, We'll find you. And you will fight for us. You will defend. You will strengthen. For you said to this young king, many years later when he got old and weary, you reminded him, King, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking to strengthen hearts that are fully devoted, committed, and loyal to me. Father, I pray that as you look and you see Pleasant Grove, you will see a people whose hearts are fully devoted and committed to you. Now, Father, I pray as we open this altar, if there's people here today and for whatever reason there's been a drifting, there's been a spiritual laziness, I pray this would be a day of a fresh altar and a fresh commitment. That, Lord, they just get back on track, they'd stir themselves up and get back to that place of walking and strength and intimacy with You. And, Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning have a special need, need a touch in their body, maybe going through a trial on the job, but they would like prayer, they would like someone to lock arms of faith with them. Father, I pray You'd just draw them down. And as we pray in faith, believe, and you'll release your power, and lives will be touched. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you and we praise you. And we thank you for the victory that comes from you. Now, Lord, move powerfully at this altar. Breathe your breath of life and release the working of your mighty power. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... Let's worship the Lord. If you need prayer, now's your time. Come and let God touch you.